Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z, the ultimate guide for real estate investors. I'm your host, Steph Boldrini. We cover everything you need to know from finding and analyzing properties to financing and managing your investments. Tune in every week for experts' insights and tips so you can make your commercial real estate dreams come true. And in today's episode, we are covering what is about to happen to commercial real estate. How bad are things going to get? What is next with interest rates? We are chatting with the legend, Ken McElroy. He is incredible. He is the CEO of MC Properties. He was a speaker at our summit and he delivered exactly what we wanted him to deliver for the audience, the people that may be going through difficult times right now with their properties. We are breaking this interview down into two episodes and I recommend listening to them at least two times each. In the second part, he's going to give a step-by-step guide on what to do if you are dealing with double interest rates. Bronson is interviewing him. He was my partner at creating the Advanced Real Estate Investing Summit, so we had to split a few interviews and panels, and I really hope you get a ton of value out of this interview. Here we go. Um, so let's just let's jump right into it, man. I know a lot of investors these days are just really uh, there's some alarm going on. A lot of people have you know uh, bridge debt or value add deals. We're seeing capital calls, rumors of capital calls. We've got a capital call or two going on. And so what what, what are we seeing right now in multifamily? And I know you've been through you know 25 years of this. Like how are you looking at what's happening right now? You know, it's not a great time for folks if they bought in the last few years for sure. But what I mean is, is if you just fast forward and see how competitive it was, the, you know, the sellers were getting millions of dollars up front before you even step on the property and due diligence. Um, you start to look at how many people were bidding on these projects. Um, you know, and what, what, what happens in a normal balanced market is there needs to be a little push pull between buyer and seller. And what, what happened is the buyers in the last couple of years um, were at a massive disadvantage and kind of had to stretch for pricing and stretch for terms. And they were shortening their due diligence periods and all those kinds of things. And it was all coming. And so what this is doing, in my opinion, is it's making, it's an adjustment for the sellers. And I think that gets lost in cash calls and all that stuff. Um, it's all true that as well, but we needed, we needed, you know, we needed the sellers to adjust their expectations. We needed the brokers to adjust their expectations. What was happening, people were stretching for deals. And in many cases, many of those deals are the ones that are in trouble. So the market, in my opinion, was not in balance. It's not, it's, unusually similar to what's happening, what was happening with the single family market. And same thing. When you have 10, 20, 30 people bidding on houses, showing up, um, you know, and the prices were jumping and jumping, jumping, it's not a healthy market. It's healthy for a seller, yeah. not healthy for a buyer. Right. So, so I believe that that's why I say it's about time. Right. So the unfortunate part, of course, about that 
is that as that starts to unwind itself, it um, there's pain for many people that have bought and for all kinds of reasons. But, you know, as the tide goes out and uh, those of us who are in the business for the long haul, it's actually better. Right. Because prices are adjusting, cap rates are going up, interest rates are up, expenses are up, all of those things are happening. Well, it's just the pendulum swinging the other way. And for somebody who's been in it 22 years now, actually longer than my current company's 22 years, it's a welcome time. Yeah. Because we're bidding on stuff still, but with, you know, we're not putting, we're, we're putting longer due diligence times on them. We're, we're not doing non-refundable day one. Right. Uh, we're able to negotiate with sellers while we're in escrow. And that all goes away when you have a million dollars hard right. day one. If you find a roof or you find problems inside of due diligence, then, um, you know, the seller, they're like, well, we don't care. You know, we need you to close anyway. You have a million dollars up or half a million dollars up or 250 grand up or whatever it is. So, so I think, I think the playing field is starting to flatten again. And, um, it's actually going to be good for the industry if mm -hmm. people can get through this short term pain. Right. Yeah. No, we're seeing it. And I think as an investor, I know we have a lot of passive investors in the audience here. Um, and you know, just wondering, Hey, what do I do? Or if I have, I talked to one investor yeah. and he said, I've got five capital calls going on right now. Yeah. So there's a lot of challenge, but it, it's really counterintuitive. A lot of times it's the idea of being fearful when others are greedy and being greedy when others are fearful as Warren Buffett would say, right. of like, you know, uh, you know, and even I think we were talking about a panel recently and somebody was talking about the playing defense and offense at the same time, like defensively taking care of what you have, as well as going after some of these new deals. So do you think that we're actually with the cap rate expansion, we're actually seeing some pretty, like some, some better deals now, or is it, we're not quite there yet? Oh, we're not quite there. We're starting to, I think, you know, the, there's a lag effect with interest rates. There's a lag effect with cap rates. There's a, there's a lag effect with sellers and brokers and all that. And so, um, I think that analogy of that we're playing defense and offense is a good analogy. And by the way, I actually believe that you should be at all times. Mm -hmm. Like you should always be playing a little bit of offense. Sometimes you're playing more offense. Um, and you know, sometimes I think a lot of people right now are playing maybe a little more, more defense, but the worst thing that you can do is kind of bury your head in the sand and, um, you, you know, if, if you're in this business for the long haul, I think that there needs to be a good little balance there. From our standpoint, what's gotten us through, what's gotten our investors, um, you know, to, to, you know, to trust us over a long, long period of time is full transparency. We've seen some of these articles come out in the news. Now, of course, we all know news can be a little slanted, really, but you know, it does it does stand to reason if somebody's in that kind of trouble, what you know, how are they managing that? You know, and and um did they uh have they been talking with their lenders, have they been talking to their investors, you know, what are they doing on the management side? Because you know, for the last twenty two years the, the market has not gone up. So I've seen it go up, I've seen it go down multiple times. And, and so 
there are strategies for all of those things. And I think, again, when there's, there's, there's been a tremendous amount of focus on influencers raising money online. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't have a problem with that. However, if that's their only skill, then they have a problem. And, and if the investors invested in those people, then that's, uh, you know, an LP problem. So, you know, when, 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 when stuff like this happens and it will happen again, you start to look at experience and wisdom and how deep your bench is, your capital reserves and all those things. And, you, you know, somebody who's been in the business a, a while uh, is way ahead of these things. You know, they are, they're, they are way ahead of these things. So I think, um, that's what's showing up now. Yeah. You know, a lot of these influencers, they don't know how to manage property. They don't know how to manage a property management company. And so what's going to happen in the next year is all these management companies are going to get, a lot of them are going to get fired. They're going to first blame the management company. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they're going to replace it one or two times. And then they're going to take it in-house and they're just kicking the can down the road. And maybe it works, but if they don't know how to manage the manager, that puts them at a huge disadvantage. If they don't know how to manage lenders and, you know, and, 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 and do these, um, you know, mo- loan mods and things like that, loan modifications. Well, then that's, that's a problem. It, yeah. You know, if they don't know how to, if their operating agreements aren't written correctly, and they're not following, you know, the the protocols of whether they're loans or or whether they're bringing in additional equity or preferred equity and squeezing people down and all that stuff, because all that's happening. I just wonder how much of that is happening that the LPs know about. Right. And so that's all going to expose itself. It'll turn itself into lawsuits. There'll be lawsuits for sure. Sure. Um, and people will say, well, it's not what the business plan said. And then the SEC will start digging into that. So all that's coming. And, and, um, you know, and so those are all things that somebody that's an online influencer that knows how to raise money and brought somebody in and they're partnering don't get. And so, you know, do I want all that to happen? Do I want all those people to be drugged through the mud? Of course not. It's all going to depend on that transparency and how they're managing all this stuff. Right. No, that's, that's, that's a really good uh, lesson. I think, you know, if you own multifamily between 2010 and basically 21, 22, it was kind of like, you know, owning it really made you a genius, right? Because you were in the right, yeah. you know, the rates are coming down, things are looking good. But as rates have come up, we've seen it in valuations, right? So we're seeing value add deals that are significantly, you know, higher value. I give you, you know, I'm sure you see a lot of examples where you do all these renovations and now the property is valued significantly less even after the renovations because of uh, the debt somebody has to get to come in to buy the property. So I know we've talked a lot about this over the last couple of years, but your opinion on on the Fed with rates, you know, especially coming into an election year, like what do you think, how is it going to play out? Is it going to be a crisis? Like what are some kind of possibilities you see? I actually read the Fed minutes. So, which is, you know, for anybody who knows my my upbringing in my school, um, they would not believe me, but I, <laughs> I actually have been, and, and they're fascinating. And the reason I do it is there's, there's this thing called the dot plot. And the dot plot is quite simply, how is each Fed chairman voting? And yeah. where do they think they're voting? I think that that's a really interesting indicator 
So, you know, you, you find that most of them are grouped in some kind of average and some are, you know, you got a couple that are high and a couple that are low says we need to raise rates. And they got others just say we need to, you know, lower rates and you got everybody kind of in the middle. So, so that's a really interesting thing. So, if, uh, you know, for, for everyone that's listening here, I would dig into dot plot. You go back and look at what Jerome Powell and the Fed chair, he actually hasn't moved from his positions. What what's interesting, like all media, they they take what he said and then they try to guess and then it comes out as a news article. But if you really take a look at sometimes people are just rewriting news articles. And so you've got these these journalists that in my opinion are not doing a very good job. And um but they've said all along that they are trying to get inflation to two. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. They've never wavered off of that. Still, even though there's been all kinds of articles around that, you look at them, they've never said, we might consider something more than two. They talk about a neutral rate, but that's different. So I think that, um, it, you know, they're still, they're still a problem with inflation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. It's not actually 3%, like they say, right? Correct. Like it could right. be higher. Correct. Right. So I don't know about you guys, but gas is five, six bucks a gallon. Mm-hmm. Rents are going up, albeit not as fast as they were, which is what the media is saying, but we're not seeing a decline in rent. House prices are going up. Mortgage payments are going up. Food costs are going up. So- all right. So you start to look at that shelter is one of the biggest pieces. Okay. They've been trying to cave the real estate market. Make no mistake about it. Shelter, I think, represents in the 40% range of the CPI. So, okay. So if you have a category like that, mm. that, that represents that much of the CPI and it's still moving, I don't see rates going down. So my crystal ball says, um, you know, that they're either going to stay about where they are. They could potentially even go up a little bit depending on those categories. Because again, going back to what the Fed's trying to do, they're trying to bring that inflation rate to two. It actually went up over the last two months, mm-hmm. the, the inflation rate, the CPI. So, okay. So CPI is going the wrong way after what, 11 rate increases. So so for all of you that are hanging on this, you know, rates are going to go down, I would just ask you, why do you think that? You know, because everything I read and everything I see doesn't appear that the Fed would do that. And if they do, what are they going to go down to? Five? I get fucking help. We're talking, they, what they need to go down to is, they punched all the way past from three, four, five, six, right? Now they're approaching seven. So think how far they have to go. So even if they say, yes, we're going to reduce rates, they're going to do it at what? A quarter point, half mm-hmm. a point over time. Yeah. Okay. So maybe if you're lucky, that could be a point in a year. Okay. So great. So now we're in the sixes again or five and a half or whatever. Right. So, you know, you have to put things in perspective. They're not going to go from, six, 7% rates, or even eight for single family in some cases, and hard money's way over. What they're going to do, uh, they're not going to jump down to three. And, you know, so all your deals work. That's just not going yeah. to happen. Yeah. And I think to your point, it's like, if you're an operator, you're just hoping 
you know, you're not hoping. Of race, course. If rates just come down, we'll be and we still will be okay. Right. We will continue this interview next week and we will cover a step-by-step guide on Ken's recommendations around what you should be doing if your property is in trouble. You do not want to miss that. And I will see you next time.